Hi, and welcome to episode five of the Trash Talk podcast. This is your host, Recycle Michael, here today for our Earth Day episode with Green Mary. Green Mary is the green queen of event recycling. She has um, kind of paved the way for event uh, greening in the west on the West Coast and, and kind of event uh, uh, in the whole event world. She has uh, made a huge impact. So uh, really excited to have Mary here with us. Hi, Mary. Hi, Michael. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of me. course. Um, so I'm just going to give the listeners a little background. I guess you um, had quite an extensive uh, professional background before you got into greening, ranging from car sales to construction, but you entered the waste diversion world from your position as human uh, resource manager with the Health and Harmony Festival in Sonoma County back in 2001. There, uh, working in the role of volunteer coordinator, you heard from environmental activist Julia Butterfly Hill speaking on the urgency of all event goers to heed their environmental impact out of at public events. And green light bulbs went off for you. And um, systems aligned internally, socially, to give birth to a, a local industry. Uh, I guess... Uh, you gave birth to that industry, which uh, I was fortunate enough to be a part of later, and uh, many others. I think there was even a New York Times article recently that credited you with spawning a bunch of trash pirates. I believe you were. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, the pirates. <laughs> they are. I'm, 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 I just pulled up the article. It says. They are fast, hardworking, green-hearted people, she said of the pirates. I love their energy and greenness, and I am so glad my age-old eco-passions gave birth to so many little green pirates. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. been uh, quite a while since I, I uh, attended, or anyone's attended the Health and Harmony Festival, but I remember volunteering with you back uh, in the day there. Yep, long time yeah, ago. That was your first event, huh? Yeah, very first event. Uh, and I still remember, I don't think I'm ever going to shuck off um, seeing and hearing and feeling um, Julia speaking from the eco-village stage. She just had such a passion and even a brashness, uh, you know, like conviction to look at people and say, I don't care if you're listening to Dennis Kucinich and acting like you're all green. You're wiping your mouth with virgin tree napkins and barely recycling. Shame on yourself. Go home. And, you know, if you're just right place, right time, can't help but hit a chord. And I just ran from that gathering crying and said, I'm going to figure out how to make a difference at the event level. So, yeah, that was a very pivotal mo moment in my life. So you were at an event and the event had no real uh, greening program going on, but they did book a uh, speaker, Julia Butterfly Hill, and she kind of shamed everyone at the event into... Uh, taking action. And you really took that to heart. Yeah. Cool. To remind you to, to listen with all parts of our being, because I, I definitely felt like the trajectory changed. And once I landed on that path, nothing else made sense. And I was mighty motivated to figure out how to do it. And I asked the producer right after that weekend event, if I could be the one to spearhead that uh, event waste diversion component. And she said, have at it. I have no idea how you're going to do it, but we'll find funds to make it happen. And then it was talking to all the food vendors to get people off of plastics and certainly to get styrofoam banned nice and early, way before 
you know, Sonoma County or California started that uh, that movement. Uh, and it just rolled out slowly from there. But it was everything made sense to me on that path. And so I could do nothing else but carry on. Yeah. So the Health and Harmony Festival, um, besides banning styrofoam, what were some other early actions you took there? Um, investigating the compostable plastics uh, very early on, um, finding out first what could be composted in Sonoma County. And the actual uh, groundbreaker was the 4-H. They had a 4-H chicken queue at the Sonoma County Fairgrounds. And those young people with their you know, guardians and parents and guides worked with the Yano Waste Treatment Center, and they could bring all of their organic food scraps, their paper plates, and all the many, many pounds of chicken bones to this facility. And so I just had to dig down and say, who's even having any of this happen, and how are they doing it? And so our first couple of years actually went to that small treatment facility. And uh, then we started working with Sonoma Compost, and it was always investigating who can take right. what, what can be made back into soil, honest to goodness soil, what can be recycled more like honestly, you know, instead of the, what do we call it, wish right. cycling, uh, what really has a next path versus going to the landfill. And so slowly but surely we, we um, ramped up what we were diverting away from the landfill amongst you and I and all of the trashy kind of people or anti-trashy people, we talk about this diversion rate and it doesn't make sense to the average person or maybe doesn't, you know, not language that they use, but what we're aiming for is to have that amount that goes to the landfill be as little as possible. So we're trying to maximize compost, maximize recycling, and first and foremost to maximize reuse, repurposing, what can be used again and again and again. And uh, at the beginning, it was enough for me slash many of us to be making soil. And now a lot of us are saying, oh, well, that's actually not the best way to do things. So at smaller events, um, awesome Sudbusters and um, other organizations are really focused on reusables. And so we tried, we brought in water refill stations and got people to bring their own water bottles. What can easily be used? And then we asked people to stretch. Okay, where's your utensils? What else can you bring to have your food served on? Can food vendors do more rolls and hand wraps and uh, things that use the least possible packaging, plates, forks, let's get rid of the utensils. Can we use bamboo chopsticks and compost those? Everything ramping up to um, toward reusables and the least possible stuff that's going to go into any can, never mind compost, recycle, or trash. Right. So it's been super motivating. It's like a big, big puzzle, the puzzle of one's lifetime <laughs> to figure out how to turn those numbers right. around At first we were, and watch for the resources. Totally. At first we were recycling more and now we're trying to recycle less and just use less single use stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we hear of people who brag about how full their blue toters are when they recycle every Wednesday night out at the street. And you're like, well, no, actually, huh? you're just using too much altogether. So what if your blue toter's full? There should be next to nothing in there. Right. I barely Except have your wine bottle. 
the dump anymore. <laughs> I, I don't have trash service here where I live. I just, you know, sort everything and compost and very rarely to do any around. I went uh, two days ago. I'm sending little green hearts oh, out thanks. for you. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, I went to our local, I'm also in Sonoma County, and I went to our local uh, uh, dump and recycling center, and they're not taking plastic anymore for the. Yeah, it's like mind boggling. They have a big old sign where that plastic dumpster used to be, and it said, bye bye plastics recycling, bye bye garbage, because too many people, both there and out in the world, treat the blue bin or that big dumpster as the place to put what they don't know what to do with, or the slimy clamshell that they got their Caesar salad in. Like somebody else will figure it out. And then finally, the dump's like, no, we're not your trash, you know, be all end all. Yeah, sorters are going to be yep, no rinsing more off your plastic for you or, or sorting it accordingly if it's worth uh, so mm-hmm. little. I mean, now with the oil price being negative $40, I don't know about plastic recycling being economically <laughs> viable. I mean, it seems like they're just giving oil away for free now. Or, yeah. <laughs> Here come the plastic out of the petroleum utensils again. It's a never-ending fight, but it's... <laughs> well, We'll take a dollar from, no, we'll give you a dollar to right, take this fork. Pretty much. But, uh, you know, we're recording this uh, the day before Earth Day to, uh, to talk about Earth Day stuff and Earth Day events. Earth Day started in 1969 and as a special event and uh, a way for people to come together and, and try to do things more sustainably and, and kind of recognize that we're all here on the same planet and need to care for it. What's been your experience with Earth Day, Mary? I feel like pretty much every day is Earth Day. As I contemplate what I'm going to do tomorrow, it starts off with volunteering weeding at a local organization that um, raises food for at-risk youth. So I'm just always looking for how to have my hands in the dirt to be alleviating waste of the landfill. But for formal events, it's been very little unless I'm out greening an Earth Day event. I, I don't tend to go out and just participate as a regular person unless I'm working I'm doing my own life um, but internally as as we slide into and then roll by Earth Day I'm really paying attention to the truth-telling of everything instead of the gestures or the speakers that are lightly entertaining or motivating the listeners I know you've been mightily focused on the metrics at events. You, you're great at capturing the images and the, the rock bottom numbers of you know what events are producing. And I'm talking with more and more producers and venue operators as we're in this downtime of what they're focused on and how we can take this, this slower period to rework how we do things. You know, oops, that that compostable plastics train, how do we bring it back into the station for some more research and development? Or how do we completely get off of those compostable, I'm doing air quotes, um, plastic or petroleum, sorry, plant-based utensils. And it's so hard. I know there's many experts out in the world that are paying attention to different components of what's generated out at public events. And how do we gather everything together and um, ha- you know, send it through that grinder of a formula that will say, okay, this makes no sense. If Green Mary is driving to San Francisco to pick up two bags of mostly compostable mm-hmm. waste, where's the Sasquatch-like footprint? You know, no, that doesn't mean we can't do that anymore. We have to look at all 
that goes into waste diversion. You know what I'm saying? It's just, I, I start to shake my head. Of, oh, no, that makes no sense at all. It doesn't matter if it's income generating. It doesn't matter if it makes people feel good. If the planet is suffering on any level, we need to stop that behavior. Right. So reimagining. Unless it's being offset, significantly yeah. offset. Yeah, and no, I hear you. Like I have been calculating the the impact of um, waste from a climate perspective, for example, and then I look at you know how many miles we had to drive to mm -hmm. to achieve that, and we're usually doing better in terms of offsetting than than we're actually putting out there. But I've also um, started buying carbon offsets and doing other things to try to make our activities as green as possible. But it, it is a uh, it's a lot, you know. There there's so many different inputs coming into these events. Sometimes it's purchased internally. Sometimes it's attendees bringing stuff in, and all the kinds of vendors and and whatnot. So it's a it's a real challenge to try to get everyone on the same page. And what is that number that for every um, gallon of gas we burn, we put out twenty pounds of greenhouse gas emissions? Well, you know, it depends on your vehicle. You know, if you have an electric car, it's not going to be too much. If you have a, a gas guzzler, it's going to be quite a bit. I know you can truck compost uh -huh. 200 miles and still see a climate benefit because of not only the carbon sequestration right. potential, but just the methane offset. I've read some studies there. Yes. There's a lot of good happening in that. Yeah. Way. Yeah. Organics diversion has been a big. But who, who calculated that um, a pound, a, a ton of, carbon could be offset by, you know, when I do our carbon offsets, it seems ridiculously low. It's like, that's too cheap. We need to quadruple that money. Yeah. The carbon price is still pretty cheap. You know, it's only like uh, mm -hmm. 30 bucks to offset a flight and a flight is like a year's worth of driving. So it's relatively, well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, do some carbon offsetting. We'll see if the carbon price increases right. thanks to California's cap and trade system. And as they retire carbon credits, the carbon price should, in theory, gain in uh, price. But for now, it, it's pretty mm -hmm. cheap to offset those kind of things. But instead of you know offsetting stuff somewhere else, I think one of the beautiful things about um, events and what you've been doing is showing people a experiential, like, here is something you can do to you know, reduce your environmental footprint by composting uh, organics instead of putting everything in the landfill and making methane and all that. It's been a, a huge part of the event thing is, is getting people up to speed with organics diversion. Mm -hmm. And one of the beauties of what we do is um, reminding people or informing them for the first time, perhaps, of the benefits to them and their health. Never mind what we're doing collectively for the planet, but a lot of what we're asking people to do is good for them, like your own water bottle. And so many people didn't know the detrimental effects of water bottled in plastic bottles, how long it sits in that bottle, how far it ships, that it's just tap water from New Jersey or whatever, and that it's linked to cancer. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that there's a very proactive steps that people can take that are beneficial for their own well-being and longevity. You know, I think that's one of the main takeaways the is that there really isn't a separation between us and the environment and that it's all interconnected. You know, if you mm -hmm. want to clean up the environment, you should clean up your diet. And if you want to be healthier, you should make healthy choices like a reusable water bottle or things that support your local organic food systems, making choices like 
choosing to compost or buying organic food that uses compost. And and do we want to be using soil that we put yucky materials into for growing our own vegetables? No, no, that's that's good enough for you to make soil with. But here, I want the organic soil with none of that compostable plastic residue in it. Well, there are a lot of yeah, that's that full. Yeah, cycle. I mean, there are a lot of uses for compost. I think uh, you know, if you're applying on rangelands or roadsides or whatever, you don't need organic compost, but. Yeah, if you're if you're growing food, you probably do. Mm-hmm. Want that. Yeah, that you were referring to earlier about the uh, carbon sequestration, right? That's where it comes into play. Uh, yeah, and rangelands is a great a uh, carbon sink. There is when you apply compost to rangelands, you can um, encourage the grass to just grow so much more, and and because it uses carbon from the atmosphere to incorporate into its physical body, it's pretty much like a straw sucking carbon out of the air. <laughs> when you put compost in. That's a great yeah. image. Yep. Uh, compost is is a really magical thing. Yeah. What's fun about the special events that we do too is uh, meeting people from around the country and around the world and being made aware of people's varying degrees of, of awareness. Uh, a person from the heartland of America might come to San Fran- a San Francisco event and be so surprised by how we do things in the San Francisco Bay Area. But then we have a German who's like, oh, yeah, yeah this is what we do. You know, we have we have 17 bins right. we drag out to the street. <laughs> you guys got yeah, nothing Japan's on Japan's got like 40. <laughs> <laughs> Granted, they're all much littler. Yeah, yeah. And it's... Um, tiny, tiny trash. I hear you, though. I, I love having those conversations. <laughs> and people just, you know, ask me like, oh, how do I know if something's compostable or not? So I, I like to go to uh, my fallback as well. If it was ever alive, it could be composted. That light bulb mm-hmm. go off over there. Like, oh, okay. That makes sense. Made paper. Yeah. Everybody from the little kids to the PhD can hold that wooden stir stick and go, okay, I get yeah. it. If it was food or. Now stop trying to put your aluminum right. can <laughs> in the green bin. Aluminum was not alive. That was a mineral. Came from the earth and we can uh, keep <laughs> using it and recycling it, but don't put it in the compost, please. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are, what are uh, some of your biggest frustrations at an event? Like what was the time at an event when things just seemed to go all wrong? Oh, well, as you, um, the reverse of what we were referring to earlier is watching light bulbs go off is watching people's eyes oh, glaze yeah. over and act like, what they're doing, what we're doing collectively doesn't matter. There's a great feeling of not, uh, I'm not into it and you can be into it all day long, but altogether it doesn't matter. Diddly squat. I, I feel that and, and hear it. Uh, we get treated rudely sometimes. I'd say overall we're treated much better and thanked endlessly, but there's still a sentiment of either what I do doesn't matter. What you're doing doesn't matter. And I, I think that it's very disempowering at the individual and collective level. So there's that. Systems can be a little bit foot dragging. There's um, archaic mandates in place that it would be really nice if we could, you know, just remove these barriers to environmental activists and, you know, event workers wanting to make it, you know, honest to goodness, work for the planet. And then there's all these roadblocks, but it being in the Bay Area is just, um, in my experience of what I observe around the country and around the world is light years ahead 
of so many other places that we really do have it going on. Hard work, working and living in the Bay Area, keeping workforce that can afford right. to live here. We pay well, but the cost of living here is so high. And I've been doing this so long, I feel a lot of these people that have been with me for upwards of eight and 10 years, they're like my kids. But here we are in a quarantine and, you know, watching them suffer and not have income in one of the most expensive places to live in the country. So cost of living here is frustrating. Yeah, I feel your frustration. But overall, I find it more beneficial or more um, invigorating than a drag. Oh, definitely. It it really helps to do positive stuff. And I share your frustration with that. Like if the alcohol, Mm -hmm. if it's like an alcohol focused event, you know, or everyone's just getting trashed, um, then the event tends to be fresher. Uh, the educational values gone, and um, you know the same thing with my crew. You know, I feel bad that like so many of them can't afford to live in the San Francisco city proper, where we do a lot of events because you know none of us can afford to live there. So we're commuting more than we really should be, or you know, having an outsized uh, transportation impact. It's pretty tough, you know. It's a super expensive part of the world to live in. Um, the flip side of that is that they're pretty great events that are willing to. Uh, do the right thing and put some resources toward doing things in a more sustainable fashion and creating the uh, space to create an industry like such as you've helped create. Mm-hmm. And I think about the full gamut that our events range from to the ones that are doing it because San Francisco has a mandate that says thou shalt be green or you don't get your street closure permit. And uh, some events are only doing it because they're required to. And over time, we can see and feel them getting it, starting to care. They get really good feedback. There's public goodwill. And then others that, you know, it's just the same year after year of, you know, sweeping up the the compostable cups, blowing down the street. And it's just so ironic. I remember one of our early Health and Harmony Festival events where one of my crew, we had everything compostable and it was ankle deep on the main field. And this is at a hippie event. Like if you can't walk it over to the green bin, oh boy, we're in trouble. And one of my employees bent over to pick up yet another compostable fork going, well, perhaps they think it composts on contact with the Uh earth. (laughs) You got to keep a sense of humor in this. Oh, definitely. (laughs) And in all things. I couldn't agree more. I I tend to have the, you know, different frustrations and more like, oh, one vendor brings styrofoam and now we got to, you know, sort all kinds of extra compost because one vendor decided to bring something that can't go in the compost and ruin the efforts of every other vendor mm-hmm. there. Or, you know, you get someone that thinks they're being helpful and, and hauls their own uh, trash over to the dumpsters and then just throws it all in the compost dumpster without really checking what dumpsters what or, you know, the hauler comes and... Right tips the wrong bin and to the wrong thing. And, to, and to, I'm sure, you know, we've both had plenty of our, uh, you know, own setbacks and frustrations, but overall, I think there's been, you know, over the last decade or, or more that I've been doing this, I've just seen the bar get ratcheted up and up and up. And I feel you, know, you were there originally mm-hmm. just like power lifting that bar <laughs> up to that initial point. And then, <laughs> you know, we've been gradually... Regular workouts, yeah, I tell you. It's quite a workout. <laughs> uh, you know, trash is, is some heavy magic. 
um, when you put it in the compost. But yeah, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it was a monumental effort and um, getting those initial connections made and getting people to uh, realize what what's going on with this three bin system, adding compost and changing the expectation at events for vendors, for attendees, for everybody. You've just, you know, just led this push. So wanted to uh, have you as a guest mm. for our Earth Day show because you have just done so much in uh, changing people's consciousness around how they uh, can have a lighter impact at events. Yeah, well, it's been a joy. And it's the people that I get to interact with, work with, work for. Uh, you know, when it all lines up, it's, it's just a big old rainbow of leading to such great possibilities. and. And we can, like you say, we've already seen tremendous growth and evolution. Yeah, that's one of my uh, favorite parts about uh, this line of work has been the people that I get to work with. Uh, you know, not only you and your team mm -hmm. and my own staff that I've gotten to know pretty well, but, you know, sometimes events will um, get like a crew of volunteers to come help out or different uh, student groups. I've I've just been really uh, happy to be able to interact with so many people and, and help train them to help others uh, do this right. And uh, yeah, yeah, I, I happy yeah, I've got a crew of who have had babies, and then I, um, some of them have ordered little green Mary T-shirts, oh, and I've got cool. a you know third generation running around. <laughs> and yeah, to watch the young people coming up under a system. You know, it took a long time for recycling to catch hold and for it to make sense to people. And composting is taking that. Well, it's, I think it's, it's taking off faster, but um, it's making sense to younger people. Yeah. You know, composting is, is kind of the new Very recycling rewarding. and uh, it's, it's uh, more of an expectation now these days than it used to be, for sure. Uh, mm -hmm. No small thanks to you and, and your efforts and the efforts of other dedicated uh, zero wasters, as we like to call them. Uh, many of them I hope yep. to continue interviewing on this podcast. We've had a couple of great podcasts already with some compost experts and zero wasters. But in terms of the event world, you know, since everything's been put on pause, I think, you know, you're right on with this whole opportunity to reimagine that what events will look like. And I think, you know, part of that is the ability right. to we might come out of this quarantine greener still. Yeah, I mean, the air certainly cleared up. That's been one nice thing about it. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking that we were putting less landfill, you know, making less landfill, but um, now so many things cannot be, we can't use the, pro there's no produce bins. It's uh, Now it's all prepackaged and, uh, you know, can't use your own coffee mug. Those things are so super fun. But we're still eating out a lot less. So that's yeah, yeah. I think overall we're going to see a decrease in what's going in the landfill. Sure, there might be more takeout containers. Hopefully, you know, those that can be composted are being composted and the ones that aren't are not being mm -hmm. put in the compost. But um, overall, the last time we actually saw a big decrease in what was going to landfill was in 2008. You know, we've had this trend where we increase recycling, but unfortunately, the amount of material we've been generating, both recycling and landfill-bound material, has increased because everyone has been 
consuming more when the economy is great. So now that we're looking at what looks to be a, like a recession, then I think we're going to see less stuff go to the landfill because people are just staying home more, cooking more, hopefully cooking from scratch more. Uh, I know gardening. And, out of, cooking out yeah, of our exactly. garden. If I hadn't had this slow down, I wouldn't gotten, have gotten my veggie bed, my veggie garden. I know, bed. my garden's looking better than ever. I was just um, thinking about the, um, the uh, environmental upturn of an economic downturn. Exactly. Funny how those things are uh, inversely <laughs> related sometimes, but you know, hopefully coming out of this, we can start just pursuing a, a more green economy. Right. And people are getting uh, their um, needs met in other ways. Many people are walking and running and biking and just, um, you know, hunkering down closer to home and enjoying themselves. We don't need to be so extravagant with getting our needs and desires met. Right. I'm, I've taken up bird watching and gotten my drum, new head put on my drum and bought a flute and, you know, all these things that I never would have had time to do. Right. <laughs> I know. I, I planted a pumpkin patch recently <laughs> on later in the year. Fun. And you're making hands. Yeah. Yeah. So Sudbusters, um, our other company that focuses more on reusables at special events is not doing many special events these days. So we did a little pivot and started making organic hand sanitizer in a refillable, returnable container. You know, there's a deposit on that container. When people buy more uh, hand sanitizer refills, they give that container back at five bucks when they're uh, off their next purchase. And that helps us from having to buy more packaging, which was never our intent. But consequently, because of this coronavirus and everything going on, supply chains are severely disrupted and it's very hard to get packaging right now, whether it's recyclable or refillable or not. So it's, um, it's really been enlightening. Also seeing just how much the the cost of the packaging and labeling is uh, as a percentage of the product that people sell. What if you go to a store? Could you fill somebody's pre-existing container like a gallon cider bottle or a, if somebody brought you their own container or do you need to have it be the one that you provided? Originally? Uh, well, I'm looking at doing that, like setting up a booth at farmer's markets and selling it by the ounce. We do have um, like some prototype dispensers that dispense by the ounce. But we're kind of targeting um, mm -hmm. larger refills right now. So we have 12-ounce bottles, 24-ounce bottles, and five-gallon buckets with a pump dispenser lit. You know, mm -hmm. If you need a big old five-gallon thing, then you can refill a lot of those little hand sanitizer things. But so many people have these little two-ounce spray bottles. You're well, make a 12 or 24-ounce bottle. They can just keep refilling that little pocket-sized one. Yes, very you know, nice. And we're all paying so much attention to being disinfected and clean right well that's a great pivot you made there michael yeah, yeah it's definitely a, a different kind of business doing uh products versus services is is a whole different beast but you know we're just trying to our community safe and it was uh something that we felt like we could do to help out in this time and mm -hmm. while supporting sustainable agriculture you know yeah. even though it's uh, alcohol and you're not even consuming it i feel like it's important to use organic uh, agricultural products because you support organic agriculture. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. And it's also remaining in alignment with your vision and values. Yeah. Yeah. And being able to get the containers back and refilling them means we don't have to keep buying more virgin plastic. So hopefully people return those and continue to source their hand sanitizer from sudbusters.com.
little shameless plug there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I know you've been volunteering a lot these days. Do you have any other uh, plans for Earth Day? You gonna do some drumming? I am. Oh well, um, Jared, Jared Huffman has a um, Zoom conference in the morning, and then I've been quite involved with Daily Acts out of Petaluma. And we've got a stewardship circle happening internally there the end of the week. Um, we have so many great organizations locally and regionally that um, I've been peripherally involved in. And I don't tend to be a Zoom kind of person or a podcast kind of person, but this downturn is giving me so much time. And only now am I having that big surge of, oh gosh, I do need to be talking with my peeps. I'm feeling sort of flat. Yeah, I'm entertaining myself, but I need to resuscitate that green core. So, well, I've been just enjoying nature more. That certainly seems like it's fueling my drive to, you know, buckle down on the green aspect of my life. Um, But no, no special plans for tomorrow, just weeding and greening in my own life and getting cracking on um, the compiling the metrics that need to be looked at for each category of event production and where we can reduce the environmental impact, the negative environmental impact. That'd be a great thing to put at the top of the list for Earth Day tomorrow. All right. Well, I know in your world, every day is Earth Day, so I don't expect it to be too much Mm -hmm. of a departure, but happy Earth Day. Thank you so much. And And thanks for being on the podcast. I think. I'll mention some of the the organizations that you brought up in the conversation, Daily Acts and I guess the Health and Harmony Festival and your website, greenmary.com. And I look forward to continuing to be on this journey toward a greener planet with you. Thanks so much, Michael. It's a pleasure traveling in the same same green circles as you. Right on. Well, thanks again for being on the show and hope you have a happy Earth Day. Happy Earth Day to you. Ciao. Ciao.